Hello, you're about to listen to the movie mixtape with Dirk and Marcy, and now featuring beautiful, lovely, and amazing episode art by our dear friend, Mikey P. We are rolling on with our animated mix, and it's my pick this week, and I felt like it was time for Dirk to finally watch Princess Mononoke. I love this movie. Let's hope that Dirk did too. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the mix. How do everybody? Welcome to the movie mixtape. How are you doing, Marcy Dale? Did you say howdy? Is that what you said? I said how do, which I suppose is oh. a Northern English way of saying howdy. Yeah, probably is. Okay, probably okay. put on my cowboy hat. How do? It's the well, flat cap. The sun cream of howdy. Okay, uh, got it. Okay. <laughs> that, let that be the only time we mentioned sun cream during this conversation. For everybody playing movie mixtape bingo, sun cream. There you go. <laughs> we can, you, it's not like it appeared naturally in the conversation. Has somebody paid you off to say sun cream within the first few <laughs> minutes just so they can get styed on their full house? Tim, I'll send you the money, or you can send me the money, Tim, for saying sun cream. <laughs> no, he didn't ask me. He didn't ask me, but that, that would be something. Well, I didn't really think he asked you. <laughs> I could just say he did. Um, but I'm I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> Feeling kind of emotional right now. Yeah. Feeling kind of on the precipice of something. I don't know. We were talking a little bit before we came on. It's been a big day for English football. We have just become the European champions. Mm-hmm. Big momentous, momentous, momentous. Since I've been alive, since I have been alive, we have not won a major tournament and i've been alive for a minute oh, really yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah we have Whoa. not won a we've not won a tournament since 1966 and now um we are champions of europe the the english ladies team are victorious and we were watching it tonight me betsy and kate and iris in fact iris was up who is the one-year-old she weren't <laughs> interested one bit and she was just getting all the pens out of everywhere, drawing on the walls, trying to draw on all of the uh, sofas and stuff. But we got through it together. And um, we are just reveling in the glory. I got a bit emotional and teary towards the end, to be honest. It was a, oh. a, long, a long time, a long time coming. So that's where I'm at right now. If my voice cracks or wavers, it's due to the burden yeah. of yeah. failure being lifted from our nation's shoulders. That is so funny that you just said all that because, um, so I've been watching, uh, the Great Pottery Throwdown, which is what Mikey, I think he mentioned when he was on here for Turtles mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, but that's a show he got me into. And essentially it's like Bake Off, but with pottery. And it's, it's really, it's a very calming, relaxing show. If you enjoy Bake Off, I really recommend The Great Pottery Throwdown. But I'm watching the newest season. Um, it's all out now. I didn't realize. So I'm just catching up now. And I was just watching a 60s a theme week mm-hmm. and they were going over big things that happened in the 60s in the uk and they said it was the last time your country won, won the world cup oh goodness, so it's yes. just funny that like i literally just watched that before we were on here and then all this just happens so yeah. it's like kismet it is, well yeah great. and i'm not saying that collectively as a population we're obsessed with the fact that we haven't won anything since 1966 but yeah <laughs> we are kind of absolutely obsessed with the fact that we haven't won anything 
Uh, and did you, I was just like blown away that um, in this country it wasn't it wasn't allowed for women to play professional football from about the 1920s to like the late 1970s. So when that English male team won the World Cup, women weren't even allowed to play professional football. And and now here we are. Thank God for them, the English yeah. ladies team, and uh, bringing it home. It's funny because it's it's like the same thing over here, where like our men's soccer team doesn't even qualify for the World Cup most of the time, but our women's soccer team um, has won it the last couple. Yeah, yours. You've got so. a good football team, right? The women's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're fun to cheer for. It- the men, like I said, don't even qualify. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our men's team do qualify, but they're so um, mm-hmm. depressingly um, <laughs> non-successful once they get there. But anyway, that was a, a mild tangent. But um, I know you like sports. You like your ice hockey. and um, mm-hmm. Well, especially your ice hockey, I guess, don't you? I would say hockey is my favorite overall. It was funny, though, the way you were describing um, the lack of big championships uh, in your lifetime. That sounds like our baseball team over here. <laughs> And I don't think our baseball team has won a World Series since like the 70s. And uh, we've never been close because we have an owner that doesn't like to pay money for good athletes or to Mm. keep them. So, you know, you go to the baseball stadium for food and and it's a nice view and that's about it. I think you sent me a picture (laughs) of the view. It's a lovely view. Oh, I love it. I haven't been yet this summer and I'd like to go because um, every once in a while they'll do like a firework night. And that's pretty, it's like worth the $18 ticket (laughs) to go see the fireworks. What are they called? The Philadelphia, no, Pittsburgh. Oh, God. I know, I don't know why I said that, because they both begin with P, probably. That's what was in my brain. The Pittsburgh, what, the Pittsburgh smashes. No, it starts with a P. Well, Pittsburgh does, yeah. Yeah, but we're called the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates, alliterative. That's her is there a, yeah. is there a strong history of buccaneers and, and pirates in your town? Um, we have three dirty rivers that all connect into one point. Um, so I guess there's that. You know, sometimes people hit uh, home runs into the river. That's pretty exciting. But no is the answer. Uh, no, I would say no. We don't really have a history of pirates around here. Oh, well, nah. Maybe yeah. they should rename themselves Pittsburgh. I can think of a couple things. Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh refrain. Plus taking their inspiration from uh, modern streaming services. Mm, oh, the Pittsburgh Police, maybe. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, it's it's still a pretty iconic name, I guess, but it's it's a really crappy baseball team where, like, you just, you know, you're going to go and they're going to lose and, oh, well, whatever. So. <sighs> well, we've lost another sponsor now, Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, they're not okay. going to... I mean, they weren't going to ever pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how I'm feeling. How are you feeling, kid? Uh, I think I'm okay. I have a lot going on, but the plumbing is fixed. And I was going to talk about Pottery Throwdown, and then it all kind of tied together. So there we go. It's been really fun <laughs> watching the new season of that. I'll tell you what else I did. I went to um, I went to see Phoebe Bridges in concert. And that's not what I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about, but it's related. And where I was standing, mm-hmm. I was stood next to this lady, and she was wearing a film t-shirt. And you will mm-hmm. never guess what film was on her t-shirt. How many? How many goes do you want? Um, two. I don't know why I didn't say three, but two. Is it the movie we're talking about today? No, it's not related to this at all. You can ask a question, make it more interesting. Okay. Is it an older movie? Well, it's older than older than Jurassic World Dominion. It's an oldish. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only film uh, I know that's come okay. out in the last few years. 
Okay, and was this lady older or oh. younger? She's about my age. Let's just say she's about my age. Was it a Back to the Future? <gasps> no, you're <laughs> almost there, though. It's not quite back. I mean, you're not almost there, but you're not far off. It's sci-fi. It sci-fi. Oh, sci-fi. And okay, like a sci-fi. kind of uh, light-hearted sci-fi. That could be a lot of things. What? No. Um. I. Um. I don't know. I. I, I don't know. Now you've thrown okay, me off. Okay, it's with got. Light-hearted. It's got Buzz Lightyear in it, but he's not playing Buzz Lightyear. Oh, Galaxy. It's Quest. Galaxy Quest. A woman next to me in his Phoebe Bridges had a Galaxy Quest T-shirt on. What? A, what a, what a what choice. <laughs> I didn't even know they made t-shirts for that. Movie. I almost, <laughs> I almost had to just stop what I was doing, turn around, and go <laughs> talk to me about this Galaxy Quest t-shirt. Where is that from? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I am a fan of Galaxy Quest. I could quite happily yeah. have a conversation about Galaxy Quest anytime you fancied. You know, I have not seen that since I was little, and that came out, and and then you kind of realize like the meta-ness of it all and what a big deal it is and how much like people love it now and I kind of want to go back and rewatch it but I just kind of on the same page as Galaxy Quest uh did you know uh Nichelle Nichols actually passed I away today I did see that yeah, yeah so well, I mean she's from the original Star Trek but I I was kind of sad to see that because I guess from the original original cast really because I'm not counting Chekhov here so I guess George Takai and William Shatner are really like all that's left mm-hmm. from the original group. So I know we like Star Trek here. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd like mention something. Yeah, and since Galaxy Quest is kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, a parody of Star Trek, though I don't know how you can make Star Trek more of a parody. Oh, than it kind of flipping it. <laughs> I tell you that um, Uhura is um, is interesting. She's in that Strange New World show. The character is, oh, is yeah, she? the character is is in the. Original series pe- prequel, I guess you call it, with Pike. Mm-hmm. That's a good show, Marcy. Oh, I need to see That this. is a yeah, good show. Yeah, yeah but uh, she just was an icon. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, she's really, like, for television and black women, she really just was, like, you know, on her own for a really long time. She was it. And she really just, like I said, just an icon. Mm-hmm. So I was really sad to see yeah. that. Uh, today and but it was just funny because you're talking about galaxy quest i was like oh another thing that kind of like related to something that was going on and i think they had the first interracial kiss on tv they did did, yeah yeah. (laughs) and the shat no oh god Mm -hmm. wow Mm -hmm. i just thought you were calling him the shat well i I almost just stopped there when then our public decency decided to finish his his name Anything else you'd like to talk about? Any cool stories? Uh, are you having plumbing issues? <laughs> no. Did that come over your way no. yet? So, no plumbing right, issues. Well, nothing. Good for no you. No cool stories. The coolest part of my week, <laughs> no cool. Marcy, is talking to you, innit? <laughs> I like the coolest thing you did this week was watch this movie, maybe. <laughs> well, I did see I did see <gasps> Sonic 2. That was cool. And I oh. have seen something called Pause of Fury. I think it's called like <laughs> The Tale of Something or Other. Dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And George Takai is in that movie. Oh, I think I knew links that. Links upon links. I think I knew links that because I, I saw the trailer once. And once you hear his voice, you're just like, oh, there he uh-huh. is. <laughs> you know right away. It's Good old Sulu. So, oh, man. just I love his voice so much. Mm-hmm. Just hello there. Was that, <laughs> like, just, was that Sulu? Did yeah. he just pop in then? <laughs> God, no, please. I didn't mean to insult anybody with that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, can we talk about uh, 
the infamous movie we picked this infamous why is it infamous well i picked i picked well i just you know it's it's quite popular apparently uh right now it's it's very hot that hot like hansel i was gonna say that than zoolander when that hansel is so hot right now but um so uh yeah i picked princess mononoke it's the 25th anniversary Mm -hmm. of this film um We'll get a little bit more into why I picked this uh, here shortly, but um, our good friends at 70mm are also covering it this week, which is really funny. But I am really excited to hear. I know they all like it because they've all seen it before and we all follow them on Letterboxd and I know they all have positive reviews for it. So I'm not too worried about the episode. I think it'll be a good, fun, um, pause, hopefully positive episode and then Danny, Danny Haas, who's one of the hosts of the show, he always makes really incredible art. And I'm really excited to see what he picks uh, for this movie. And uh, and then also we have some really beautiful Mikey art mm. for this movie this week. And we have seen it. I got to see it a little bit earlier than you, which you weren't happy about. <laughs> playing favorites. And to be honest, I thought I was the favorite. So I was happy with him playing favorites until I realized you were the favorite. Haha, <laughs> joke's on you. You never were the favorite. It was me the whole time. But uh, I just think it's going to be a really fun week to hear everybody's takes on this movie and to also see just some beautiful artwork because I think this movie is stunning. I don't want to spoil my total feelings for it right now, but I just think this is a gorgeous movie. Uh, and like I said, it, it'll it be fun to share Mikey's art with everybody, but then it'll be really cool to see Danny's art too as well over at 70 millimeters. Mm-hmm. So go listen to their episode too. Um, it should be out just a couple of days after ours. and A week uh, after ours, definitely... isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, no. Four or five days. It comes out on Monday. Yeah, yeah. We come out on Wednesday. They come out on Monday. So it shouldn't be too much mm-hmm. longer than ours. Yeah, there's a... Or you could just join their Discord and listen on Thursday, just saying. Well, you'd have to pay to do that. You have to pay to get in their Discord, don't you? <laughs> but f- full spoilers, it's well worth the money. It is really well worth it. Don't, I mean, don't think it's look... not worth the money. That wasn't me saying don't do it. If you're tempted, by all means, go ahead. Jump right in. It's you, good. That's where me could, and Marcy met. You, <laughs> you know? I was going to say, you could meet a British man and start a podcast with him one day. <laughs> but what what incredible synergy is going on? Now, if you've just turned into yeah. the movie mixtape for the first time, well, thanks very much. Welcome. Sit down. You'll be more comfortable. But what we do is we pick a theme that we choose to be our mixtape. And we have episodes mm-hmm. where I pick a movie, Marcy picks a movie, we pick a movie together. And then a friend of ours comes on and picks a movie. And so this is our animation mixtape. And would you believe it? 70mm are also doing an animation mixtape. Their first film was The Adventures of Tintin. I don't know what their mm-hmm. other films are going to be. I do know what our other films are going to be. And so I know they're <laughs> all uh, cracking. So between the two of us, these two uh, podcasts, there's going to be at least eight incredible animated film discussions. So a great time to listen to both podcasts. And we'll definitely get a little bit more into it here in a bit but i just like that animation is not just for small children it's for everybody (laughs) especially this movie um this movie is definitely not for children this is definitely more um i would say for adults and i just think it's fun that like people our age can still watch animation and and there's really great movies and storytelling and animation and i know sometimes i know people that look down on it because they're like oh that's for children and it's like no not really have you seen these things they're they're beautiful works of art and you should actually give them a shot yeah we call those people wallies wallies Wallies. oh stop being a wally proper wally wally 
Sorry, that was more Australian than I wanted. Um, yeah, it to okay. Well, um, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to get into it. Do you want to hit us oh with God. your synopsis, or did you want to do something else? Yeah. No, no, no. I love how this is like the one week that I'm like jamming this down your throat automatically. <laughs> You're actually like you asked me for it. You are. <laughs> oh, the synopsis. Yeah, the synopsis. <laughs> I've not been pounced on by a surprise synopsis, thank God, because I keep looking no. over my shoulder, expecting it there. <laughs> I've got all the lights on in the house just in case it sneaks up on me, but... Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right, well, I'll just get started here. So it starts off with, hello, have you recently been excommunicated from your village? <laughs> or perhaps cursed by a demon? Maybe even both. Well, we have got a Finding Purpose Again app for oh you, and it's called <laughs> it's called Nature's Calling, <laughs> uh, and it says we'll help you find that wild wolf person of your dreams, <laughs> and we can help help you reboost your confidence by setting you responsible for saving the local town filled with charming lepers and sex workers. You can come face-to-face with the gods of the forest all before they're eradicated from existence, and most importantly of all, bring back the head of the forest spirit before the entire planet is wiped off of the map. Come and find your adventure with eyes unclouded by hate, bring Mm. balance back between man and nature, and maybe even be lucky enough to have your wolf person feed you jerky with their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So find Nature's Calling in your app store today, and yeah, that is my weak-ass synopsis (laughs) for the week. (laughs) I thought it was perfect. So this, so the film that we're talking about, Princess Mm. Mononoke. From, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, 1997? 1997. Mm-hmm. Directed by mm-hmm. Miyazaki. How do you say his first name? Hayao Miyazaki. Miyazaki. From mm-hmm. a Studio Ghibli. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about um, first, like, kind of just our first Miyazaki experiences. Because I feel like it is a really life-changing event. Especially if you're a movie fan. Um, but the real reason I wanted to bring that up today is because actually Princess Mononoke was my first Studio Ghibli and my first um, Miyazaki movie. I was aware of them, especially Kiki's Delivery Service, Spirited Away, and Totoro. Mm. But I never watched them. I, I don't even think my mom knows what a Totoro is, <laughs> so it's not like I grew up with those in my life, but I was, like, well aware of what those movies were, but they're not, or, well, now they are. They're readily accessible now, but when I was growing up, you couldn't find this stuff anywhere. And, um, like, right after I graduated college, I started dating this guy who was really big into them, and one time I went over to his place and he was like, we should watch Princess Mononoke. And I said, I don't even, I've never even heard of that one. And I think his jaw dropped to the floor. So we watched it. And Did you try and put just, food in his mouth? No, I did not. Uh, but we were both, and I think he had seen this one so many times, but both just like transfixed by what was going on in the whole movie. And I knew, I knew that like, Miyazaki's movies were special and I knew that like the artwork was absolutely insane but I didn't realize how immersive it was all going to be. I mean this movie really transports me every time I watch it and I'll talk about reasons why eh, soon enough or whatever but I it just was a really special time 
watching this. And, I mean, we later watched a couple other ones together, but this one just has always stuck with me, maybe because it was my first, and I just didn't know what to expect in this world. And I love this movie so much. This is my favorite Miyazaki. I guess, I guess because it is my first. I don't know. Like, I don't know what would have happened if I watched other ones first, but... Um, I, I just love this movie and I'll never forget like that experience and just, um, having somebody, sh- I know we're not together anymore, but it was so nice that having somebody share something they really love with you. It's a really special experience, like, you know, and I don't think you forget things like that. So that was one big reason I really wanted to make you watch this is because I love this movie so much and you had never seen it. Um, and I just really wanted to make sure you got to finally watch it, even though you owned it and hadn't seen it. But do you remember your first Miyazaki experience? Yeah, I was just going to come back to what you were saying there. I think that's exactly what this why, why we started the podcast, wasn't it? To to share the movies that we loved that the other person perhaps mm-hmm. hadn't seen. And so that is that story kind of sums up why this is a perfect choice for you. So, I mean, I was, I guess I kind of spent my teenage years i've always been interested in animation and you know whether that's from comic books into movies and i used to be i suppose i was more into um, manga and the japanese anime from from that side and so i used to read about it in magazines and i think the first image i saw of a miyazaki film was porco rosso and that you know i was interested in that but i never saw it i've still Mm -hmm. not seen it but that that kind of got my my gears turning in my head but it was a long time before i think i actually saw it. you sort of said how it was difficult to get hold of these films when when you were young well it was (laughs) definitely difficult to get hold of them when i was like a teenager um and i think the very first thing i saw without even really realizing it was ponyo so I th- oh. and I I think I was coming out of a out of a cinema and I saw there was the movie poster for Ponyo and I just was staring at it and just was transfixed by it and just really wanted to know more about it and wanted to watch it never got around to it never got around to watching it in the cinema and then like like a few months later or whatever a year or so later I was in a comic shop and I saw it was in a comic shop and so then I'm interested again and 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 I think Ponyo was the very first Miyazaki that I watched and then I went back and I think I did like the I did the kind of happy-go-lucky ones I've done Ponyo (laughs) did Ponyo Kiki um probably Howl's next and then um Totoro um then Mm -hmm. and then I've done recently Castle in the Sky but yeah you said Mm I um I own all of them all of them but that was a kind of mm-hmm. something I did because I really, it was, it was kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It was done with, it was, my ambition is to watch all of them. <laughs> and so <laughs> I thought, well, what, you know, what, what easier way to do that than to just buy them all and various Christmases and birthdays or whatever, I would get them as presents. And then literally, just as I kind of got them all, they all turned up streaming for free on Netflix. But <laughs> we got them there now. And my ultimate aim is to sit with my daughter and and to watch them but you have to be careful which one you pick mm-hmm. which is why we've done the ones we've done and why we haven't done princess uh, mononoke mm-hmm. because this is a pg yeah, over here this is a pg over oh, yeah. here <laughs> what's it over there with you this is, i think it is pg-13 which you don't have but i would say house is a little dark though too in places yeah. not as dark as this but this movie is very dark and 
Um, I think Miyazaki actually was going to retire after this one. So he's kind of um, retired and come back a couple of different like times. Like the which, Ric thank Flair God, of uh, animation. <laughs> please, please keep making movies, sir. Please, <laughs> please. He is in the works of making another one here. But like, luckily he did come back and then the next one after this is Spirited Away, which I think is probably his most famous. I'd say Totoro and Spirited mm. Away are probably his well, most He definitely carried on making movies after this, didn't he? He's made... He made at least what four after this, I think. Well, he made so Spirited Away, Spirited Away, then Howls, and then Wind Rises. Ponyo. Oh, the Wind Rises is after Ponyo. You're mm-hmm. right. Okay, and Wind Rises is really beautiful, but that's also very dark. And is I it? would say wait a bit for Betsy to what? get to that one. Yeah, I didn't know it was. Dark. It's also more, more not. Well, do you know what it's about? About some guy making airplanes. Yeah, but right before World War Two, mm-hmm. so. I don't yeah. know any. That's all I know is about airplanes. It's about a dark time in Japanese history, but he somehow makes it this like really beautiful story about this very creative man that somehow the thing that was once like a joy to him, like what it ends up doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's really complicated. I mean, you don't see a lot of that in like the darker like what happens with these planes and stuff but it's a it's a really beautiful movie but there isn't a lot of whimsy Mm -hmm. to it it's his most like it just feels like a regular movie if that makes sense so that's why i think betsy might have a hard time getting into it right away um but it is i really like that one a lot though i would actually say i think mononoke is my favorite and then i really love Hal's. And then I'd say actually Wind Rises is right after that. So I like the older ones for older people, I feel like, um, with like more complicated themes and things like that. If you had to, out of the ones you've seen, how would you rank your top three? Well, including Princess Mononoke. Um, If you you want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'd probably go, uh, we just talked about the Miyazaki ones, right? Not all the Studio mm-hmm, Ghibli ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, probably go Ponyo, Totoro, Monoke. Mononoke. Okay. So, yeah, it's. I know you didn't see Ponyo first, but that's like your first relationship with it. And it's funny that that's your favorite. No, you know that's I mean? the opposite like my... way around. That was number three. Princess Mononoke no, no, is no. my top film. Oh, your top? Oh, really? Yeah. Wait. Oh, you just surprised me. I just well, unveiled it who, now who, to you, right? <laughs> well, you you pushed me on the issue, and I've just felt like no, I had I mean, to come out and just be honest with you because friendship is built on honesty. And if I was all coy about it, you know what would that say about me? Oh my gosh. Well, I I thought you were going one, two, three, like I did. I so that's why I thought Ponyo was. I didn't know you went one, two, three. I thought you did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said number one, Princess Mononoke, because I said that was my favorite. I said did, it's yeah. my favorite multiple mm-hmm. times. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> this is like Elephant Tame and Power all over again. <laughs> but no, wow. Okay, so now I'm really, so really. There we excited. go. We can finish the episode. I really liked it. Okay, let's wrap it up, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, no, okay. So tell me. So what was your general vibe with this movie? Why did you like it so much? Just. You know what? What were you thinking while you were watching it? Uh, I I wasn't expecting what I got. Is probably the first thing. Um, I don't really know what I was <laughs> expecting, but it's called Princess Mononoke, and I thought there'd be more princesses in it. Is is the first thing, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I mean that in a kind of uh, an archetypal fantasy type story, <laughs> which we don't. I don't think we really get here. It's definitely darker. I think when I started watching it, I texted you and went, "Fucking flipping out! This is dark." 
<laughs> and you were like, oh, maybe turn the brightness up on your TV. And I didn't mean it like I didn't mean it like that. Like, um, like sort of like it's at the beginning. So this is um, what's he called? Ashitaka, the main, the, yeah. I guess the person who who moves the story along the most mm-hmm. who we yeah who is we the the film starts in his little village he's like i don't mm-hmm. know the prince or something there but he's also like yeah of the amishi tribe there you yeah. go um mm-hmm. but like what happens to him in the first five or ten minutes he gets he gets booted out of his tribe can't ever go back they mm-hmm. say they'll never speak about him again and then he has to say goodbye to his <laughs> sister and she's like oh god take this oh. dagger so you'll remember me and he's like i'll okay. remember you and then he just trots off yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can I? So, wait, I want to add something really funny. So, I know we both watched the English version this week. So, actually, there was a translation. Obviously, there was a translation like mix up. Um, because so in the Japanese, actually, that girl Kaya, who's his sister in the English version, that's actually his like bride to be. That's who she's supposed to be. So, she calls him brother at one point in the Japanese version, but that was just like a term for like a fellow man, like, oh, like, you know, like, yeah. you're my brother sure. you know like sister brother you know um and when it got translated it was like like mistake obviously yeah. like lost in translation there and they assumed that she was his little sister so actually that's his bride to be but the reason i'm bringing this up really quick is she gives him that dagger and that's a token of and at that time that what a woman would do the day she got married to her husband oh, right. um so that's significant also later when ashitaka gives the dagger to one of the wolf pups to give to San because that's his way of yeah so what I love about Japanese culture is they really don't say I love you it's like very seldom and you know but that's what it makes it like so special when they they do they don't just throw it around like we do over here I don't know if your country does the same thing or not but they show it in different ways so that dagger is like his way of oh it's interesting because he, and I'll yeah. come back to your point in a, in a second but just on that I thought it was a it was going to be like a Chekhov's gun at the beginning like he was given this dagger and, and then it would come into play at the end in some way but he didn't really apart but he gave it mm-hmm. to well I suppose the titular princess who as it goes by name of San <laughs> normally but so that makes most you've just you've just took it to another level for me, Marcy. Thanks very much. But, but and, go on. Yeah. No, go on. Okay. Well, and and then do you know what Mononoke means? I know. I think I do know what. Well, I kind of know what Mononoke means. It means like a like a a wraith or a, or a or a ghoul or a. It's like a vengeful spirit. A vengeful so somebody spirit. looking to like avenge something. Mm-hmm. So I kind of think Mononoke kind of just ties to the whole movie because that's a lot of other than Ashitaka that's almost every character in this movie Mm. is you know seeking out revenge in one way or another Mm. um and I kind of like that it's called Princess Mononoke so I was a little thrown off too when I first saw this because I expected her to be the main character and I thought her name was Mononoke (laughs) and when you're like who is the son (laughs) girl uh and actually really i think this is ashitaka's movie but i like that it's called princess Mm. mononoke i would say san is a close second for main character uh but it's just the general like i think we said today we're going to talk about the vibes of this movie but that's like one of the main vibes of this movie just angry upset people (laughs) yeah well let me come back to why you you know i guess he's Mm -hmm. what you were talking about or what you asked me why did i why did i like it so much because i wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting to get what i got that was the big one Mm -hmm. because it's dark um i think 
and I was ready. When I say it, a film doesn't have to be dark for me to like it, it um, usurped my expectations. Like I said, in that way, it was darker than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the the character design and um, just it was just a beautiful, gorgeous, you know. And the story was so clever, and the way that it was written with everyone in it, sort of. Just being, just being people with motivation as opposed to stereotypes or mustache twirlers or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought it was a very um, heartfelt film that was mm-hmm. that at times made me made me actually swear out loud when certain things happen. <laughs> and I think if you can get a kind of a and sort of an audible reaction out of me when I'm watching something, then. Mm-hmm. Then, then that is that is a win. Yeah. That is an absolute win. So that's a very short. Yeah. That's a very short description. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. No. I. It's funny. Like I feel similarly. Like some of the things you're saying. Um. And I just want to add really quick that when and this is one of my favorite things about this movie. But Miyazaki has said like there is no villain in this movie. Mm. The villain is anger and hatred. Yeah. I mean that's and that we yeah, yeah. go on like and and I know it it can get a little complicated like i think like you know the first couple of times i watched this i really did not like lady eboshi but the more you so lady eboshi she's the woman running iron town and she's kind of destroying the forest to find more iron so she can you know sell something but the more you get to know her like i said she's a savior of lepers and sex workers and looks at these people as human beings when the rest of the world like wouldn't and she does really care about her town and, and the people living in it And she just sees herself as, like, a defender. And that's what you understand as you watch it more. Like, yeah, you could clearly say, like, maybe she is a villain. But really, no, she has her own motivations. Well, you say that. If you watch it more, you'll understand it. But I understood that right from the beginning, right from the first watch. (laughs) So I get a prize for that, do I, Marcy? Will you send me that in the post, some stickers or something? But that, but I, I think that's the whole, that was the whole, we talk about a vibe. That was the whole vibe I got from it. In that um, mm-hmm. these people, you know, it's a bit of that. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, in a way. I don't think Lady Eboshi, who you've just talked about, all her intentions were, were good, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet she is set up to be the... You, when you meet her, you think, oh, here we go, here's the bad person. But then that's not mm-hmm. that's not what you get. And you get something much more um, real life and much more thought out and much more considered... I would say, mm-hmm. and I think it comes back a little bit in that we are we are Ashitaka, and in that what you said in your synopsis, we are seeing them with unclouded eyes. So we are not be, mm-hmm. we are not being given a vantage point where we're being told this is the bad person or or the gods are are evil or whatever. We're just being told we're just being given the facts, and we're being given true access to their motivation and what happens so our eyes are unclouded and and so we are we are ashitaka in this and i think that's so good that's so good um and so mm-hmm. beautiful in a film in that it lets you make lets you make lets you sit there and, and just try and figure out what what's going on and why it's going on and what people are saying and why they're saying it you know and what is the theme and what is the ultimate message to that we're being told and one of my other favorite things with this movie my connection to this movie is i really do love nature and i love just like going somewhere where you can't hear anything else but like what is around you mm. like birds and water and trees and this movie captures that in a way that I've never really experienced 
before. And I just love the connection to that. I, I don't know how to explain it better, but there's just really beautiful moments. Or even just Ashitaka, like, riding his elk, like, through, mm. you know, to, towards the west and everything to go find, like, Iron Town and the source of, like, why this boar in the beginning became a demon and everything. And, of course, it's all blended in perfectly with the score that's, like, absolutely mm. beautiful. And I'm sure you heard the score <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> I did hear the score, but I think you're trying to find a word okay. that you've already used. You You called it immersive. And I think that when you mm-hmm. said that word, that... that that was totally it for me. It was immersive. Mm-hmm. Like everything about it yeah. got you into that got you into that world of which the score. Oh my days! Very good, mm-hmm. very good. Yeah, it's it's really mm-hmm. good. And I just love like where it happens in certain moments. Like one of my favorite scenes is when Ashitaka sees San for the first time, and you can hear it just like faintly in the background. But he's like yelling her like, "Which way to Iron Town? And am I going the right way? Is this the Great Forest?" Yeah. And she just you know she's trying to suck out a bullet out of her wolf mother, and she just has blood all over her mouth and spits <laughs> it out and just wipes it off. And like I mean that's her introduction to, I mean quote unquote Princess Mononoke to San and. I mean, how can you not just love her automatically <laughs> after that? I just, I love it. And anytime you see her earrings, it makes this like really cool sound. And, and, oh, I just, I don't know. You don't get really, like, you, there's more now than before, but like to have such a cool female mm. character. Oh my gosh. I, Ashitaka and San are my two favorite Miyazaki characters ever, too, because I just think they're so, perfect in every way and i understand her motives completely where she's raised by wolves she loves the forest she's gonna do everything she can um and she doesn't see herself as a human she wants to kill all humans which is not the right answer though either so ashitaka is like the perfect middleman where he just wants everyone to cooperate and work together but you know they're both at ends um you know they both have to like both parties have to learn something valuable before they can, um, you know, understand that there needs to be a balance between, it can't just be one or the other. And uh, I just, I love it so much. And it's really cool because I'm into mythology, like hardcore too. I I, I know I probably have shared this before, but this is like actually set during a time, I, I hope I can like pronounce it right, but it's the late like Muro, Muromachi period in like Japanese culture where it's like, Everything's advancing quickly in Japan. It's, like, between the 1300s to the 1500s. And, like, iron and, like, coal are being mined. And, like, you know, technology is advancing kind of in this, like, scary way where, like, weapons are being produced and stuff. And nature is kind of, like, fading in the background. And, you know, in Japanese culture, they used to have these, like, forest deities. And as people were advancing, you know, the writings of these, like, godlike forest creatures goes away and I just love that this movie's a representation of that like the forest gods are going away as mm. human civilization is adapting or like evolving more and ah uh, I just I don't know how to explain it but I just think it's like oh that's so smart and I love I this so much because yeah go on I'm done I'm just rambling no, it, at this it's smart but it's subtle <laughs> as well um yeah in that yeah. the the opening um, the opening gambit, I, I suppose, is this demon, this boar demon that attacks mm-hmm. Ashitaka's little village. And um, I thought, like, this 
the, the this animation on this demon was incredible. I don't know if you know uh, a comic book artist called um, Sunjay Ito. Do you know him at all? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I just read something. You, so, I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my goodness, that looks like something he would put in one of his books. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you come to find that this is a, a god who's been turned into a demon by due to the pain that has been inflicted on it by being hit by a bullet. And it's almost like it mm-hmm. just encapsulates just what you said, that the, the modern evolution of humans and man, which has led to developing the weapons, has, has pushed the old gods and has finished the... And this is what's ultimately going to finish the gods mm-hmm. off in a, in a way. That That's what I kind mm-hmm. of... That's what I thought was going on anyway, is that the, the modern technology is pushing all of these gods out. And that was a very mm-hmm. kind of literal representation of that it turned one into a demon and and also just tying back into like that like hatred and anger can destroy us because with so his name's naga he is a boar god and he lets the bullet like create this huge anger inside of him where he ends up actually going east to ashitaka's village and like destroying everything in its way and that's what can happen if you let like the anger get the best of you. Where um so and there was uh, no Moro, and there was no <laughs> there was yeah. no deathbed retraction of that as well. Like after he gets shot in the eyes mm-hmm. with some arrows, he was he was not turning into a nice boy after that. He was still like you. I will feast on your bones, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he you know he's upset with the humans. It doesn't matter what human you are. Like he's just set out to destroy any human he can find at that point even though it's a village that hasn't even like done anything to him but then like when you see Moro who is like the wolf god who is San's mother she gets shot and she's dying but she's at peace with it and it just shows you like she did not take the route of anger and hatred and and she can die at peace where even Okoto who's another boar god that shows up you know he gets shot later too and he lets the demon Mm. and the anger get him and I just like that it can show you (laughs) <laughs> well, well you know they say like they're irrational a couple times in the movie and you can kind of see that too but it's it's like the last standoff i think like the gods of the forest all know it's like the last standoff and no matter what happens this this is it you can't go back um this is their final stand to before their time is over because there are other boars and there are other wolves but they're not gods like the last of the gods are dying off and then there is this forest spirit that looks over everything um, creates everything as the giver and taker of life. And I know, like, I, the first time I saw him, <laughs> I love his nighttime look. He's this great, big, like, translucent, like, I don't know what you would say he looks like, but he's really cool when he's walking around and he's, like, ginormous. But then when he's in the day, he's, like, a deer creature, but he's got, like, <laughs> the oddest-looking face. I will say I was so thrown off the first time I saw this movie and I saw the spirit, or the forest spirit's face. I was like, okay, there we go. That's what he looks like. All right. But, um, you know, there is this um, conclusion to his story, too, where there is a monk we meet in the beginning who's with Ashitaka. And he has, um, like, signed permission from the emperor who wants the head of the forest spirit because he thinks it's going to make him live forever. And the monk doesn't want to kill the forest spirit. So he ties in Lady Eboshi and he's like, hey, we'll help you fight off these guys that are coming to take your iron and your town um, if you help us kill the forest spirit. So it's it's kind of like just like that, really when the forest spirit's head is taken, um, that's kind of like the end of like the gods of the forest, really. It's all going to go to like the way that things mm-hmm. are now, like the nature we know it as now. And 
Uh, if that sounds like a mouthful, please go check out this movie. If you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, I think about. a lot does but, sort of go yeah. on towards the end that, that if you're not paying mm. super attention, you might get a little bit confused because there are different factions out there that, that are colliding. Mm-hmm. So Ashitaka, after he kills the boar right at the beginning, he gets cursed and his, mm-hmm. his arm is infected by the demon. So he's traveling to try and find a cure for it. it happens upon iron town this he was looking for the spirit of the forest but so we meet the iron town which has got lady eboshi but then we have the i forget the name of the people that are, are trying to get in and get all their iron but it's some lord of something or we don't really meet that lord mm-hmm. do we but there's a there's like a no. load of like samurais trying to get in and steal that and then lady eboshi's off trying to kill the spirit of the forest with this monk that you mentioned so there's lots of different people going on not even thinking about um, San and Moro and you know there's just there is a lot that happens in this film mm-hmm. for such a I say there's a lot that happens but it's just quite a straightforward story but just there's a lot yeah. that goes on towards the end and another thing too for so much going on there are a lot of moments of just silence where like nothing's even being said and I, I really like that that this movie is so explosive with its mm. story and everything going on with its animation but it still has that, like, Miyazaki where there's just moments of just quiet. There's just moments to, like, I think he calls it, like, rest. Like, you don't need to have something happen 24-7. It's, yeah, it's called Ma. And, Ma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, I love that, I love too. That, 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 is, that yeah. is when you figure that, when you, I don't know, what when you recognize that's part of his storytelling technique and you realize how important that is, this almost feels like one of the things that sets him apart is that he's not afraid to slow things down and he's not, a, <laughs> he's, he doesn't have to be this kind of bombastic happening all at once. Cause like we were trying to think about how we were going to talk about it. And real, really, I don't think there's like set pieces that you could say, I mean, there are cool moments mm-hmm. and, and definitely, but it's not like the scene suddenly transitions into something Un- unexpected everything flows naturally and it slows down before it kind of speeds up again yeah sorry stepped over you a little bit oh no 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 you're good no you were explaining it perfectly uh and also like so there is this japanese concept called uh shinto which holds up like the world is like full of kami and kami is like that there's a sacred essence that embodies things both living and inorganic and i just liked how everything has like a spirit has like its own life in this movie especially the little i can't think of their names with the little spirit <laughs> i just want to call like, them they're, they're... forest spirits but that can't be right is it but that is yeah, when that happened yeah. i was like oh there we go that's one of his things yeah. putting little it's like the yeah. dust devils or whatever in in totoro <laughs> little scurrying yeah. around they're cute i think my daughter would be yeah. into them yeah and then that's probably about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean what did you think of the creature design in the this? creature does you mean I, like I, the the wolves like the wolves are like i mean what did you think of the forest spirits did you were you a little thrown off when you first well i think he looks kooky as the day version of yeah. him but i like that mm-hmm. i like that if you if you saw him you would be like am i hallucinating or is this really? <laughs> is this is this really happening? Yeah, am I watching Ralph Bakshi's <laughs> Lord of the Rings right now? Um, I, I I agree. The Nightwalker design is super cool, and at, at times I I really it, it reminded me of probably the first ever Japanese. Well, I say one of the first ever Japanese animated films I saw, which was Akira. Some of the designs really kind of set mm-hmm. me 
in that, like especially with the Nightwalker, and especially with when uh, the demon arm of Ashitaka made me really think of Akira at various different points. The way that the arm would mm. bulge and bubble when it was kind of kicking into gear. And then we have a bit at the end where San is um, sort of swallowed and engulfed by one of the demons. And again, that made me really think of like scenes from Akira. And I'm, I'm certainly not saying that that's where inspiration was drawn, but that was that mm-hmm. was something that I hadn't anticipated because I had seen yeah. the like the, the like you said the whimsical, the more whimsical films where there's going to be a hot air balloon or something something <laughs> in it, and there wasn't even an, a hot air balloon in this. And then when I got this kind of more I can't I can't think of this kind of more extreme and intense character design. I was I was into it. I was into it. Yeah, yeah I really liked it. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I think I don't know. I just think this is like his most gorgeous movie oh, too. Beautiful. Even though like we were saying there's not as much imagination as like some of it. Mm. like Spirited Away is just a wild wild. So wait, you haven't seen Spirited not, Away then? No. Okay. No, and that's fine, but like when you see it, you like it's just it's it's explosive. It's just there's so much, so much. I mean, like I I don't even know how he thought of the things that he did. But you know, Ponyo is very similar to that though too. But this is just like you said, very straightforward. But everything seems so well thought out, and care has been given to every character. And like even just thinking of like Kuroku, who is the one guy that Ashitaka <laughs> saves in the beginning, doesn't he remind you of Sokka from Last Airbender? Yeah, yeah yes. Oh god, I hadn't thought of it, but then you said it just then. Yeah. yeah, every time I see him, he just reminds me so much of Sokka, and Sokka's probably my favorite character oh. from Avatar: and The I, Last Airbender. So it, it, he's super goofy. He is, and I enjoy his wife. Yeah, who takes no oh yeah takes Toki. no takes no s from him at all. Yeah. <laughs> she thought he was dead. Turns yeah. up she's really happy, yeah. but then within ten seconds she's really annoyed at him. Because yeah. he can't, his leg's broken or something, and he won't be able to work. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, in a way, it's kind of like Suki and Sokka from yeah. Avatar: The Last Airbender. So I I love, it. and those are probably my two favorite characters from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Just maybe we'll get into that show one day. Who knows? But I just love everybody in this movie, and I love that, like you know, maybe you're thinking like you know, Ashitaka won't let San kill Lady Eboshi because he knows it won't solve anything. Because if you kill Lady Eboshi, then the whole town's gonna want revenge, and they're just creating more hatred and anger that way. But you need, you need Lady Eboshi to learn a lesson the hard way, and that's just her losing her arm <laughs> from the head of a wolf, which she says in the beginning. Like even though like you can like still lose your head or something like an arm to a wolf, even when it's dead and everything, and that ends up happening to her and she seems like a completely different person like you know at the end of this movie she wants to rebuild make it a better town but also like come to terms with like respecting nature a little bit more yeah i don't everything. know if she, she is completely different because i think that's one of the beauties of it is that that's always there in her like you said at the beginning mm-hmm. she's taking in um lepers and mm-hmm. lepers are the people that help her make her weapons she's taking in the brothel girls you know these are these mm-hmm. are people that other faculties in society just shun and don't want anything to do with yeah. but yet she's she's made a home for them in iron town so i think you really do see that she's caring and maybe mm-hmm. but what, and i don't think she's just like yeah chop chop down these trees mate you know i think she's just done that because mm-hmm. that's what she felt she needed to do to get more iron so and that's mm-hmm. what enrages the 
the gods of the mm-hmm. forest is that she's been chopping down the trees just so that she can get to all the iron underneath the mountain to make more mm-hmm. um, weapons and stuff. And I, I think this movie also has the good message of like a lot of people tend to fear the thing they don't understand. And I think what's nice is like at the end of this movie, it's not a complete understanding, but there's like a, a more respect amongst each other and a little bit of a better understanding of each other towards the end because she even says like that little crazy wolf girl saved us all and she's actually like being nice talking about San where she had nothing but terrible things to say about her and then even San you know at the end is like I can't forgive the humans but like basically like I will tolerate them if I have to and one thing I really like that Miyazaki has said is like when you have a conflict that puts humanity against nature uh, you really can't have a happy ending and I kind of feel like this movie though it feels a lot lighter um, it really isn't a happy ending you know the the forest gods are all gone now Ashitaka doesn't end up with San you know what mm-hmm. I mean it's not your typical like oh and they lived happily ever after and Iron Town is destroyed so they have to rebuild but at least it's like kind of like when the forest spirit does get his head back and he crashes and all this like green earth pops up and Ashitaka and San are healed from their curse and because she does get she gets so involved that she at one point like you know how you're saying Okoto has her and she gets all the demon marks mm-hmm. on her. And then, like, you know, like, the lepers are healed, too. And it's kind of just, like, a, a new fresh start, like, one last gift from the forest spirit, it kind of feels like. So, in ways, it is a little bit happy, but it's not, like, it's not the complete happy ending that you would maybe expect, like, in mm-hmm. a Disney movie or yeah. something like I, that. I wasn't, I wasn't downbeat at the ending. I thought it was a good, con- mm-hmm. I thought it was a, a good conclusion. If, well, mm-hmm. a, a fair conclusion, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> in that you know yeah. I, I, I think yeah like you said people learnt lessons people learnt lessons yeah. what more could I ask for in two, after yeah. two hours and 15 minutes just that somebody learnt a flipping lesson yeah and and I do like and as sad as it makes me that San and Ashitaka can't be together she still is being true to herself and that you know she can't be a human and she won't live with humans and that's just not who she is and she knows that that's a part of who he is and she doesn't hold that against him but she just says like you know like you know I'll always care about you but I have to live in the forest that's where I belong and I really like that and I think one of my other favorite scenes in this movie is where they're together and she feels like he's helping Lady Eboshi and the humans and she feels so betrayed by him and she does have the dagger that he gave her and he she tries to stab him with it and instead of getting upset with her he just like holds her and like tries to tell her like in a way like it'll be okay or we're gonna make it as okay as we can or like you know or like just saying like i'm sorry with with that hug and i really love that moment together because i just think she takes a lot of her frustration out on ashitaka <laughs> is there a more patient kind movie character than ashitaka is there yeah what what a and human being i know we say like please listen to this or watch it in the original japanese but i do really like the english voice casting in this movie and i think billy crudup is who plays ashitaka in the english version i can't think of a more perfect person to play that like, he's always so soft-spoken, and he's always so thoughtful in his roles. Like, I mean, this is the guy that played Dr. Mm-hmm. Manhattan in the Watchmen movie. And I just think he is so iconic as Ashitaka and how soft-spoken he is and how he never, like, yeah, he'll get upset. But it's more when, like, the demon's, like, raging inside of him when he's cursed and everything. But 
He's pretty level-headed. I don't know any real person <laughs> no. like that. <laughs> if anything, that's the fairy tale element. They stayed so level-headed the entire way through mm-hmm. when he's got his demon mm-hmm. arm trying to pop up and s- stab Lady Eboshi in the face. Or shooting people's mm-hmm. arms off. Oh, God, yeah, that was... I mean, that was, that was one of the bits that just made me go flipping it. There are people's arms yeah. flying off all over the show in this film and heads. I mean, yeah. what, how is this a PG? Yeah. This is not a PG, mate. Yeah. How can a PG film have decapitation <laughs> in it? It can't. Just go back to your film boards and correctly rate this as a 15. So did you decide how is Betsy going to be like 33 when she can watch this movie? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think if uh, maybe 12, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I think I think you can handle this with yeah. 12. Yeah. But well, great. I'm so happy you really like loved it. I'm really shocked oh, because thanks. I know some people... Uh, some people like it but don't love it and i feel like i make i this is with like most things like i get so excited about some things that like my energy can hype people up and then they watch and they're like it's just okay and i was like damn it i did it again like and i was trying not to do that with this but try not to do it by telling me it was your absolute favorite it was my favorite movie. No, it's it's oh it's just so good but i'm so happy to hear you you yeah and the reason i hadn't watched it um, it's not it's not mm-hmm. through lack of desire, but I think for the Studio Ghibli films is that I really I don't want to watch them tired. I want to kind mm-hmm. of sit down with them and give them everything I've got, give them all my attention because I I don't always anticipate that it's going to be a rip roaring sort of action packed fest. And and like we were saying, there's going to be moments of of ma where that everything mm-hmm. slows down and so I, that's why and because of the, because of life i haven't felt like i've had that in me so you you forced it on me and we did it we made it happen and yeah. i watched it watched yeah. it twice watched it twice oh i my know God. i know in <laughs> one oh week um so yeah i mean i'm eternally grateful mm-hmm. oh i'm so happy like no it's just like i said this was all about sharing movies we really care about with each other. And, you know, for the most part, I've picked movies like that for this. Sometimes, maybe not, I don't know, things that more fit the agenda. <laughs> but this one, I just really thought it was time. And I just really wanted to share that with you. Like, because this movie just means a whole lot to me. So thank you for watching it. Well, thank you, Marcy Dale. <laughs> Which I... Is there anything else you want to add? I don't know, not really. I mean, well, I suppose just to say I could watch that Ashitaka string his bow on a loop for about 24 hours, just (laughs) the way he does that and the way he gets on his red elk or whatever by hanging onto its horns. Mm -hmm. Love that. And just, just, we talked about the score, but how about the, just the sound effects of like arrows hitting the wood and Mm -hmm. when Ashitaka happens upon Iron Town, just this, just the soundscape becomes so sonorous. I don't know how else to describe mm-hmm. it. It's like you, like you said, you were in this forest and it was all, I don't know, Tweety Birds and stuff like that. And then it just suddenly changes into this kind of banging, harmon- uh, harmonious, um, metallic sound, which thought was mm-hmm. it goes back to what you were saying. It's immersive, you know. Everything was yeah. thought about. Everything was done beautifully. Oh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I don't know why I just thought of it now, but I've never watched this with headphones. And I think the next time I give it 
a watch, I think I might put my mm. headphones on and really just dive right into it. Because, man, that's a wild, wild experience when you do that with movies. Well, make... And I tend to really enjoy them, like, when I well, watch I've never done it. But make sure you keep the lights on in case the synopsis comes up and tries to surprise you. <laughs> tries to attack mm-hmm. me. Well, thank you again for watching this. I guess we should get into our songs oh, yeah. now. So, a couple... Well, was it just a mix ago? Ron sent in a really cool idea email about like picking a song for each of the movies we've watched, and uh, it has been really rough lately. But this I knew <laughs> what does right that away. Mean? <laughs> I mean, picking a song for like Gremlins Two, you're like, what the hell am I gonna pick for Gremlins Two? Uh, but this I knew right away what I wanted to pick, and I'm just gonna share it now. It's actually a song I've shared with you before. Oh. So this is. A song, it's, I'll get into why I picked it, but it's called Meet Me in the Woods by Lord Huron, and they're one of my favorite bands ever, but this is one of my favorite, I would say this is like in my top five favorite songs of all time, and the song, the lyrics really match up well (laughs) to what's going on in this movie, but I just love this movie so much, and I love this song uh, so much, and I just felt like it all worked perfectly, but I... I just love this song. And I just got to see Lord Huron for the third time about a month ago. And I was so shocked. But they actually ended the show with the song. And I normally they play it in the middle. And I couldn't believe they they ended the concert with it. And it's so much fun to see how many other people love that song. But I think it perfectly matches up. Nice. Were you doing that thing when when you were in the concert and they hadn't played it? And you were like, they're not going to play it. No, I I knew they would play it. I just wasn't expecting them to play it last. And that is, it's funny enough, it's my first. So you got, you got, you think, oh God, they've gone, this is our last song. And you've gone, they've not played it. They've not played it. But then they play it. That feeling inside you. They didn't say last song. They just started playing it, and then it ended up being the last song, and then they came back out for an encore. Wow. They didn't didn't say this is our last song. They're just breaking all the rules, aren't they? No, they're great live. If you ever get to see them, um, especially outdoors, they are a very outdoorsy band, in my opinion. And the last time I saw them, it was pouring rain, and everybody was just having a big old party (laughs) in the rain. And it was really, it was a really good time. I had a really, every time I see them live, I just, it's like watching this movie. I'm just always in a really good mood. Oh, and they've got some darker stuff, too. <laughs> just like this movie. So it, it all works for me. So, yeah. But did you did you have a nice time picking a song? Yeah, I was kind of fumbling around a little bit, trying to, trying to find something. But I've gone for something quite similar to you, I think. So my song is also talking about trees. <laughs> and it's called The Trees by um, the ultimate Britpop band Pulp, whose lead singer Jarvis Cocker is one of my all-time favourite people in, I was going to say the world, which is probably true, but certainly within music. And I think it (laughs) totally fits. And the opening fits as well, because he he sings about accidentally shooting a bird um, and how he feels about that. And and it just kind of, it just works on so many Mm. different levels. So I think we've done it this week, haven't we? We've made it happen. Wow, we did it. <laughs> the one week it finally works and we're not pulling stretches and like making weird connections. I think it always works. Uh, maybe we should quit now while we're yeah, ahead. But no, no. <laughs> this has been so much fun. As, as stressful as it can be, sometimes it is really funny to hear. And it's it's delightful to hear what we 
We pick. We actually we made a playlist of everything. Maybe we'll share it eventually. Just um, share it now, Massey. Why? Why? Why be coy about it? Why tease people? I don't even know what the title of it is called. So I don't know. It's on Spotify though. So maybe we'll post just it put, on the Instagram. Yeah. Or we could just put a link in the show notes. That's that's true, the easy yeah, way to do it, right? Need to do that. Yeah. I the guess link so. in the show okay. notes. Right. But I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm just gonna say something right now. You need to update your picks because you've not been putting them on. Oh shoot! Right. Shoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh shoot okay shoot so uh i guess we should do emails oh yeah okay let me just check do you want to do the email address while i check uh yes so our email address is the movie mixtape pod at gmail.com if you'd like to write in um and tell us why princess monoke is your favorite miyazaki as well that would be great thank you (laughs) (laughs) we we have okay so we've got a voicemail here marcy Mm-hmm. from artistic director of the show mikey p oh, oh mikey. mikey here we you. go let's let's see if we can hear it hey marcy and dirk this is mikey p i want to leave a voicemail because i'm listening and i talk to myself and i think oh i'm gonna leave a voicemail and say this this is good and i always forget or i get busy and i'm i apologize but thank you for lord of the rings i was it was something that i always thought would have been cool to look at uh, because of the cover. I think it feels like a heavy metal album cover, like for two hours, which I love. I did like like the dark 70s type of animation. I love it. But there were some beautiful parts to these painted backgrounds of like Rivendell, for example. I really dug it. And being such a fan of the Peter Jackson, I thought it was interesting um, how Dirk, you know, this was his first experience at Lord of the Rings. And watching this, I could see uh, the Ring Wraiths scene, especially the first time they hid from them. It was almost shot for shot in the Peter Jackson movie. And Dirk said it. Like, you could tell he kind of, you could tell he watched this like a hundred times. So it definitely added to that. How dare Marcy uh, say something bad about the extended versions, though? My gosh. Uh, but thank you. I love it. Can't wait for more. And uh, thank you for no Miss Marvel spoilers. I, I like the discussion, but I have not got around to finishing it. So thanks. Peace. Mikey. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think just to say that if we ever do talk about a TV show, we'll do it no spoilers, won't we? Yeah. We don't know who's seen uh, what. And, I mean, like, we, I think it's if we're talking about a movie and you know we're talking about a specific movie, yeah, we're going to yeah. spoil it because we've given you enough heads mm-hmm. up. But if we're going to just chat about something you didn't know we were going to talk about, no, I don't think we need to spoil yeah. it. And I'm glad we didn't because, Mikey, I hope you get to finish it soon. I think you'll really like it. I could just see Mikey there just looking at that artwork for lord of the rings though and being intrigued oh i'm glad that your curiosity was spiked by it mm. i think he gave it a three and a <laughs> half on letterbox which i'll take i'll take a three and a half i mean i think it's better than that but we won't get into arguments we won't split airs on national radio but thank you thank you uh mikey p for sending that in what a picture he drew for us as well this episode you yeah. know you, you talked about it before yeah. but it's so good so good yeah Thank you, Mikey. And what I love about the art he's been doing for us is he incorporates a mixtape one way or the other. And it's always really cute and fun to to see how he's done it. And this one, I really, really... It just makes me so happy. Um, I don't want to spoil it just yet. I want people to be able to see it. Uh, But this one, it got me good. And I got to see it before you, so that was also a plus. I'll be having words. I'll be having words later. (laughs) Well, there we are, all finished, we, yeah. and we move on. Uh, episode 26 is the next one. 
Is that right? No, episode 27. 27. Oh my god, I got it right before you did. That's what is uh, going on. Uh, you're probably still on acid from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Just on a high from the football. <laughs> Whew. That's um, but yeah, our shared movie is next, and I'm really excited because I think this is more of a me pick. Uh, so another movie I really, really, really love, we're going to talk about next week, and it's called How to Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. 2010 mm-hmm. from DreamWorks, How to Train Your Dragon. You say it's more of a you pick, but well, we've picked it together. I also love it. So mm-hmm. there we go. We're going to have a nice little conversation about it, aren't we? And I'm checking to see if it's streaming. Well, anywhere, while you're doing while not. you're doing that, I'll let me tell you it is streaming on Netflix in the UK. So there we go. But mm, good for you. But guys. if you're walking down yeah. my street and it's like probably what Wednesday or Thursday night at about ten o'clock, just knock on the door because I'll probably be watching it anyway. And you can just come in, <laughs> and I've got the physical disc too. So don't worry, just come in. Oh well. We'll, we'll bring some up knobs. Don't show up empty-handed. <laughs> All right, so How to Train Your Dragon next week. Please watch it. You can just buy the movie like me here in America, and then you can own it and watch it whenever you want. So thanks. All right, then. And on that bombshell, time to go. I'll see you next week, Mm -hmm. Marcy Dale. Okay, goodbye for now. (laughs) Uh, Suck on that, you suckers. Mm. (laughs) Said through unclouded eyes. Tape is a podcast hosted by Dirk and Marcy, mixed and edited by me. Our logo comes from Iron Tooth Design. Find us on Instagram at the underscore movie mixtape and catch new episodes on Wednesdays. Thanks for listening. Bye!